Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 43. Jesus is continuing. Let's see what he says. Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father. Now let me go ahead and clarify that. I don't know what your translation says. What it literally says is in order that you may show that you are sons or children of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So beginning there in verse 43, Jesus says, Your tradition tells you, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. You've heard that hatred, they had heard, they had concluded that hatred could be justified because of what they had heard from their tradition. They had learned that there was a place for animosity and bitterness and resentment and revenge. And they were good with that because they liked it. So he says, you have been told, Jesus says to the Pharisee, you've been told that there's some people you ought to hate. But, verse 44, I say to you. Basically what he says is, it ain't so. All right? So he says, I say to you, love even your enemies. Now, look at the overall picture of the sermon and know that the people to whom Jesus was speaking thought they were good enough. They thought they had it together. They thought they had it figured out. They were good people. God ought to love them and be pleased with everything they did. And so the general point here is that what people do and what God commands are not the same thing. If we don't stay in calibration with what God says, then we become satisfied with who we are and with what we do. And so what the point of the sermon the point of the Sermon on the Mount, and when we, I want you to be able to say this to anybody when we get done going through this. The point of the Sermon on the Mount is for Jesus to say to everybody, you are not good enough. You're not good enough. You need a Savior. Okay? This is not something you can do on your own. No matter how satisfied you are with yourself, you're not good enough. You've got to hold that standard up to God's standard. So the test of our Christian character is not how we treat our friends, but how we treat our enemies. That's what he's looking for here. So if we are people of love, we are made that way by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to love our enemies like we love our friends. Now we're going to talk about that more, but get that in your mind. I'm supposed to love my enemies the same way I love my friends because... It will be our character to love. When he gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us God's character. That's who we are. And it is that character that is supposed to be the one that's acting out in our lives. So it will have little to do 
with the person involved. Just like in the study that we did on forgiveness, it's not about that person, it's about the Lord. And so this is the same thing here. Love, this kind of love, always desires another person's highest good. That's the bottom line. So what he's saying when he says love your enemies is you need to desire their highest good. It looks like, you know, it, it looks beyond the immediate. What is it that's really going on in your life? What is the root of your problem that makes you be my enemy? So it's not easy to live like that, is it? It's not easy to live on that higher plane. It separates believers and unbelievers. It separates believers and unbelievers. Now, does it allow people to take advantage of you? Sometimes. Sometimes. Let me ask you this question. Do people take advantage of God? Shake your head, yes. Shake your head, yes. But no matter how much we may take advantage of God, it never alters God's character. His mercy, his loving character are intact. They're stable. They stay the same no matter what anybody else does. So our character is not to be altered by how others treat us or respond to us. It needs to be a constant because the Holy Spirit is a constant in our lives. So Jesus says the love of those in his kingdom is indiscriminate. The uh, the, it, it loves friend and foe just the same. Now, let me show you a couple of things. Go ahead and look with me for just a second at the Gospel of Luke. Look at Luke chapter 23 just for a second. <coughs> Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. You'll recognize the verse. Verse 33, when they came to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, other on the left. But Jesus was saying what? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They don't understand the reality of this. They don't understand the ramifications of this. And so here, the Romans have taken the perfect Son of God, driven nails through his hand and feet, attached him to a wooden cross, lifted it, and dropped it into a socket where it would stand. They spit on him. They mocked him. So this bloodthirsty mob is just watching and jeering. And so what was Jesus' attitude? How did he react? Father, forgive them. He was not affected by their behavior. That love was a constant. Flip on over one more book. Go to Acts. Well, it's more than one more book, but it's Acts chapter 7. I was thinking Luke. Um, Luke wrote Acts. Acts chapter 7, and look in verse 51. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You see something similar. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. 
which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who perceived the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, this is Stephen, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out to him with a loud voice and covered their ears and they rushed upon him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep or he died. The Jewish method of stoning was to find about a 10 foot drop and drop that person down in that hole or that lower level and then the first accuser would take the first and largest stone and throw it at him and try to crush his head with it and then the second accuser would follow and finally the mob would stone him until life was crushed out of his body as this is happening verses 59 and 60 Stephen managed to pull himself into a kneeling position to pray for them That's loving your enemies. That's looking for their highest good. Um, kingdom character doesn't hate. And so you'll know that what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is describing what the kingdom is like. What the people in the kingdom are like. What, what the character of the kingdom is like. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he was saying it to a society where there was so much hate. Do we have that in our society? Never seen anything like it. So what would, his, what would the people have said when Jesus looked at them and said, you need to love your enemies? What do you think they thought? You know, are you kidding me? It was certainly contradictory to the Pharisees' lifestyle because they hated their enemies. They hated the tax collectors. They hated the Gentiles. Literally, they despised them. And Jesus said, you need to love them. Now, understand this. This love doesn't mean affection. It doesn't mean that you like them and you want to spend time with them and you want to go out to eat with them. Mm -mm. This, is not, this, is, this is not phileo love. Phileo love is love like you have for a friend. Uh, this is not family love. This is not um, marital love. This is agape love, which is a love that seeks the highest good, and there is no feeling involved. It is a choice of behavior. It seeks to serve another person's needs, regardless of how you feel about them. So really, in our relationship, we're going to have a mixture of those loves, aren't we? I'm going to, uh, you know, I agapeo Sylvia, but I also phileo her, you know. I like her. 
but I also want to work for her highest good. Those are all different kinds of love that are in the New Testament. And so this agape love seeks their highest good, seeks to serve their needs. You see, that's what Jesus was doing on the cross when he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So what Stephen said when he says, forgive them, because their highest need was what? To be saved. To know God. In John 13, when Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you. He had just washed their dirty feet. It was at the foot washing section of John chapter 13. So what is this kind of love that he's talking about? This kind of love is an act of service to someone in need, regardless of whether you like them or not. Regardless of whether you phileo them or not. It is a choice of behavior, not of emotion, not of feeling. Then he says, pray for those who persecute you. King James says, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. So it is what you say and do that God is after. He is not after how you feel. He is looking for your choice of behavior toward these people. That's what this is about. 1 Corinthians 13, we've quoted it a lot, we know. He defines, he shows us the behavior of agape love when he says, love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not its own way. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. That's agape love. It is a choice of behavior. Not one time in there do you see anything about feeling love. It's a choice of what you do. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20, if you want to look at it. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20 is an interesting verse, and we might ought to just take some time just with this verse one sometime because it's, it's kind of um, misunderstood. But this is where he says, But if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. And if he is thirsty, do what? Give him something to drink. Then he says that interesting phrase. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, there's something in us that goes, yeah. Right? But understand, that's a good thing. That was a good thing. There are a lot of interpretations of this. One of these things is that in this, in this time of history, it was hard to find hot coals to start a fire. So you were serving him when you gave him hot coals. But there's also a thing here that basically puts them in a position of conviction. Our attitude can't be, you know, um, I'm going to feed my enemy. I'm going to give my enemy something to drink so he'll feel convicted. Can't take that approach. What am I going to do? I'm going to do it as unto the Lord so that if the Lord chooses, he can cause that person to feel bad about what he's done because of the good you've done for him, because you've served him. Go back now to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Matthew 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your persecutors and for those who despitefully use you. What does that mean? Despitefully using you is using you for some kind of negative purpose. Or it could be abusing you. Somebody who just uses you for something. Um, so when somebody comes along and harms you or persecutes you and you get before the Lord on their behalf and you pray for them, that's what you do. He says that's, that's the answer to this. Well, what's that going to do from our bitterness study? It's going to free up the bitterness that's in your heart. Frees you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Stephen did. So pray for their highest good. And their greatest need is salvation. That they will know the Lord. So we're going to pray that they will know the Lord. That the Lord will reveal himself to them in his fullness. So that they will understand their need of the Lord. If we pray for people that we resent or that we have a problem with, then you know what happens? Our own hearts change. It may or may not change them, but it'll change me. It will free my heart up. It will put peace in my heart. Look at verse 45. In order that you may. Now this verse tells us why we love our enemies and pray for our persecutors. He's not saying that if you can muster up enough love, you can get yourself into heaven and you can be a child of God. That's not what he's saying. He is saying you will prove your, the validity of your claim that you belong to God. That's how people are supposed to look at Christians and know that our confession of being a Christian is valid. We prove the validity of the claim that we are children of God when our lives are characterized by God's love. Because what he's saying is, People in the kingdom do this. Other people don't do this. So it's going to be foreign to other people. People don't believe we are a child of God if we don't look like the Father and act like the Father. Are you glad to be God's child? If we are, we want to be like him. We want to look like him. We want to sound like him. He is our Father in heaven. And so he goes on to give then this illustration. Let's read on. He says, um, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Look at God. He says he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the righteous or the just and the unrighteous and unjust. He's impartial. God loves everybody. When the sun comes up, it comes up on everybody. When he sends rain for gardens, it rains on everybody's garden. Both believers and unbelievers love trees and grass and sunrises and sunsets and the ocean and clouds and rainbows. And God is good. Some call this common grace common grace there is a grace there is a love of God that is shed abroad on everybody no matter what okay divine love touches 
everybody. So our challenge here is let your sun shine on everybody. Not, oh, I like you. Hey, 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 I'm going to go shake hands and give her a hug. And then I say, Lena, and I think, uh-uh. Everybody. That's the love of God being shed on the world, on everybody. Um, who is the source of supply for everybody? Where do all gifts come from? They come from God. On the good and the unjust. I want you to look at Psalm 145 just for a second. This is good. Psalm 145. <clears throat> Verse 14. Look what it says. The Lord, who, the Lord sustains all who fall and raises up how many? All? All who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to thee, and thou dost give them their food in due time. Thou dost open thy hand and dost satisfy the desire of every living thing. God loves everybody. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. So everybody, listen to me, everybody receives common grace and the love of God. But it is not the same thing as God's special covenant love that he has with his children. Okay? It is reserved for his people. Now back to Matthew 5 verse 46. I'm hurrying. Matthew 5 verse 46. And if you if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the Gentiles do that? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is. Say the word. Perfect. Now, are we to go around just loving the people in our group? No. If we do that, should we be commended? No. Why? Even unbelievers do that. Unbelievers do that. The scribes and Pharisees hated the publicans, and when they heard Jesus say that, they probably went into some kind of tantrum. Even the worst people love people who love them. That's what he's saying. So Jesus is saying, okay, kingdom people, how are you different? How are you different? That is not proof that we are in the kingdom when we just love people who love us. He said, if you want to prove that you're in the kingdom, what are you going to do? You're going to go step beyond that, and you're going to love people who don't love you. What do I mean by love? Am I going to take them to dinner? Not necessarily, but I'm going to look for their highest good, and I'm going to pray for them. And so Jesus is saying, what makes you different? So what he says in verse 47, what do you more than others, what makes you different? He's saying that religious people are no better than heathens. That's what he's saying. The Pharisees were religious. 
They had them a list. They did everything right. They were pleased with themselves. They did all the stuff. Jesus said, what? If your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no wise inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the question for us is this. What makes us different from the world? What makes us different for the people that we encounter every day? If Christians are not different, then the world is not going to believe that we belong to God. So there's got to be something different about us. So how are we to be? Oh my goodness, verse 48. Perfect. Perfect. How perfect? As perfect as God. Oh, but there's a word there. What's the first word in this verse? Therefore. Therefore. You know what? If you read all of that and say, but I cannot do that. You're right. That's what he wanted the Pharisees to say. They're going to say, we're not doing this. We can't do that. They needed a Savior. And we look at this, and we know that I can't do this. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's where Jesus comes in. And when he indwells us, we become partakers of that perfect nature. And perfect is put to our account in heaven because he indwells us and gives us his perfection. Our challenge is letting that perfection walk out the way he walked it out. Listen to me. Hear this. A Christian is not somebody who keeps the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I read this for a lot of years, and, and I would read it, and I would think, Phew. and you try to do this, and you try to do that. And you know, that's not what the Sermon on the, Mount is, on the Mount is about. The Sermon on the Mount is about somebody knowing that they can't do it. And that was the purpose of the sermon to the Pharisees because they thought they had it. But they can't do it. And so the invitation was to come to Jesus for forgiveness. And say, I can't, I can't do it. And sometimes we, <laughs> we get tripped up. I'm going to tell you all this and I'm going to let you go. I don't know why I'm telling you other than it just keeps coming to my mind. So maybe I'm supposed to tell the Chamber of Commerce has had a thing going where they've had some company come in here that deals with small towns, and um, they put together podcasts about that small town, and then they're going to advertise it. So they're having one done for Harrelson County. So they wanted to in interview different people in the county, wanted to interview the mayors, and so my day was one day this week, and I sat down and talked to this little young guy, and they said, oh, it's going to be easy, it's just conversation. And so we did. It was good conversation, and we, we visited. We talked about Bremen. He wanted to know me, and if I'd grown up in Bremen, if I was born in Bremen, well, yeah. Um, and so we just go through the whole thing, and so we keep on and keep on. And so he wanted to know where I went to college, what I majored in, you know, um, went from there. And at the very end, he said, now I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody. And I thought, okay. He said, when you're in a bar and they do karaoke, what song do you sing?
I thought, Lord, what am I into here? And I said, you are asking the wrong person. Oh, no, I'm not. I ask everybody this question. And I said, well, I'm trained in classical music, and I'm a church musician. I don't know how you do karaoke in a bar. He said, well, just pick a song. The first one that came to my mind was Amazing Grace. But, you know, all of a sudden, something just stopped me. And I thought, what am I going to? I said, you are my sunshine. He said, that'll work. But you walk away from a situation like that thinking, was that God honoring? You know, you don't want to set yourself up to be different. But Lord, is there something about that that you can use in this young man's life? And Lord knows what he's going to put on the podcast. (laughs) Probably so. But listen, my next thought as I was walking out, my really dear friend, Diane Nelson, who was killed in a car wreck a number of years ago, an incredible evangelist, and she rode my back all the time about what I needed to be doing. Diane was saved in a bar. And I thought, you know what? Jesus would probably go on in there and say, hey, y'all. You know, he wouldn't look like the rest of them looked. He wouldn't do what the rest of them were doing, but he would engage the people to meet their highest need okay so we just have to pray and ask the Lord to show us to open our eyes and our hearts to do that on a daily basis you know sometimes it can be in simple things I'll tell I don't see anybody waiting to come in so I'm going to go on another minute yesterday uh, Lori and I went to Sam's and <clears throat> one of the things that we sometimes get it saying you know you get those big old drinks for 89 cents you know that and we like Diet Dr. Pepper. We always have to get one. Callie's usually with us. She wasn't yesterday. So I, for a long time during COVID, they didn't have Diet Dr. Pepper. So I went to the little thing and I said, I would like to get two drinks if your Diet Dr. Pepper is working. Well, it ought to be. Okay. Here's my money. $1.96. Two drinks. She gives me two cups and I go over there and I match Diet Dr. Pepper and nothing comes out but clear water. So I walked back over there with my cup. She said, is that not working? I said, no, just clear water's coming out. So she calls this woman from the back who's back there sweeping and mopping and said, well, you go take care of this diet, Dr. Pepper, over here. So here she comes. Why can't they do something themselves? They can't, you know, that, th- that stuff is heavy. You know, and she would just, rah, 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 rah. she just didn't have to hook up a diet, Dr. Pepper. And I said, what am I going to do right here? So I said, do you want me to help carry it? You want me to help you? No, I can do that. I said, okay. So she fiddles around. She goes to the back and gets one. She's hauling it. It was heavy. She's hauling it in there. And then she tries to get the door to stand open. The door won't stand open for her to get in there. So I just get up and hold the door for her. And she looks at me like, who are you? And so she got it in there, and she got it hooked up. And I said, 
you may be the only one that knows how to do this in here. No, I'm not. They're just lazy. So she got it hooked up. And she closed the door. And I said, is it ready to use now? Yes, ma'am. I said, I really do thank you for doing that. Because we really did want some diet, Dr. Pepper. And she left in a little bit better humor than she came. But the encounters that we have with people like that need to be different, don't they? And, you know, sometimes I get so caught up in my own emotions or my own fatigue, it's easy to just not think about it and do something else. But we need to ask the Lord constantly to put in our minds, make our minds alert to the people that we're encountering in the situation that we're in. And he will do that. And we may never see any result of it, but it's all about planting seed. It's all about planting seed. God bless you. And let's go. Get out of here.